ever caught yourself saying, no worries? Well, I'm Steph. And I'm Steph. And we have some worries. Hi, I'm Steph with an F. And I'm Steph with a PH. And welcome back to Some Worries, the podcast brought to you by two anxious bitches. Hang out with us today while we talk all things books in today's episode, The Books That Made Us. So Steph, why don't you start us out with one of the books that made you? The books that made me who I am. I'm mm-hmm. so ready for this. <laughs> so excited. Both um, of us have big old stacks next yes. to us, so I hope you're ready because yes. we are very passionate bookish nerds. We are. So if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see these covers as we hold them up and, and do our best Vanna White impressions. If you're listening on audio, that's cool. Just when you're, you know, if you're interested in any of these books, just go look them up after we talk about them and, and look at the covers. You'll you'll see what we mean. Um, yeah, we'll post stacks of both of ours on Instagram so you can see yes, them. Yes, that's a great idea. Okay, we'll definitely do that. <laughs> um, my first, though, now that we've just said that, the first book is not one that I own, so I do not have, I'm not going to be able to Vanna White it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's okay. Just everybody can use their imagination, right? We're readers. Yep. We can, yep. we can mm-hmm. use our imagination. Um, so the first book is one that I read so many times for, and I would care I would get this from the school library I think I was in like maybe fourth fifth grade um I would go to the school library constantly and just like check this book out it was a series um and it was mm-hmm, scary mm-hmm. stories to tell in the dark uh I don't yes. even think you need a Vanna White that one people know what that is people should know I feel like it's, it's pretty iconic um yeah. It just, especially for a certain type of reader, it's probably something a lot of people who are listening maybe grew up with as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just loved those stories so much. And it's, you know, it's a series, there's multiple books. So what I would do is I would go to the school library, I would like check out the first one and I would read it. And then I would take it back and I would check out the second one and then I'd read that and then I would get the third one. And I swear, like the this was back when there were library card, like actual cards in the backs of the book. It was just like your name over and over. It was over my name over and over again. <laughs> Like maybe one other person occasionally would check these books out. I don't, the library, the school librarian probably thought I was bananas um, because I just like loved this series so much. I probably should have just like begged my parents to buy it for me as many times as I checked it out from the library. Yeah. Um, or just maybe tried to get it at the Scholastic Book Fair. I don't know, but it just, it never, I always just checked it out of the library. I, I mean, that's what libraries are for. Exactly. This is just like the magic of libraries, especially for kids. Like it's, mm-hmm. So shout out to librarians uh, for not judging youth who (laughs) check out the same book over and over again. But I just love them so much. They are, um, the drawings are kind of like spooky, um, like black and white drawings. They, all of the stories kind of have a twist in them at the end, which I loved trying to guess. Like the first time I read them, of course, trying to guess the twist. By the time I read them multiple times, I knew everything. Um, But I just always, even though I knew the twist, I still loved reading them again and again. They were just my favorite. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't really reread books that much, but I have a couple on my list that I have Mm -hmm. reread multiple times. So my first one is The Humans by Matt Haig. This is the British cover. Um, When I lived in the UK, I was lucky enough to interview, not interview, intern (laughs) at this publisher and um they were kind of like you know you're interning for free so take books Mm -hmm. and so um I had heard of this author so I picked it up um I'm gonna tell you what it's about uh preface this by saying it sounds 
very sci-fi and it is a little bit but it is not a sci-fi book if that makes any sense so basically there is this human mathematician that solves the equation that would let humanity build and create whatever we wanted and there's an alien race that um decides that humanity is not ready for that uh which honestly we are not reasonable so, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> so they send an alien down to kill this guy um, assume his life and find and eliminate anyone he would have told this answer to mm. so that's the setup it sounds okay. like very sci-fi it sounds very like spooky it's not (laughs) so this alien um takes over his life and throughout the book realizes all of the things that makes humanity humanity and he falls in love with peanut butter and classical music and the family dog and um just really realizes how beautiful humanity can be and um so it's it's really emotional in that sense. And then this man had a son who is suffering um, from depression and having possible suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And near the end of the book, he um, pens a letter essentially to Gulliver, the son, that um, is called Advice for a Human. And I literally have one tab in this book <laughs> yep. that goes directly to this chapter which I also have dog-eared and I never dog-ear books but this (laughs) chapter is so important I I often go back to this chapter when I'm having some hard times or thoughts um and just reread it and it actually um eventually Matt Matt you know because we're friends I guess BFFs yeah yeah. we're best Um, he wrote a, a book inspired by that section called reasons to stay alive, Mm. um, which is a nonfiction book inspired by his own battle with depression Mm. and it, yeah. So anyway, I love that chapter. The book, um, really reminds me what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, like Mm. appreciating little things like peanut butter and classical music and cuddling with my dog um and it it just really changed me and made me who I am so definitely check that one out oh that's so cool (laughs) I also really love that that book is it's something that I think a lot of people it's very stigmatized you know we, we are we are at our core here we're talking about mental health in a lot of our episodes and something that is highly stigmatized in mental health spaces are things like suicidal thoughts it's something yeah. that I think people are afraid to talk about they're afraid to ask uh, if somebody is having those thoughts they're an extremely common symptom of depression like extremely mm-hmm. common so for people who are dealing with depression it's very likely that they may experience that at some point and the fact that like Matt your BFF can, you know, (laughs) talk about these things in such a really unique and really intriguing way, like using aliens to think of like what we, what it means to be human. Like, I just think that's so cool. Like that sounds like a great book. I'm going to have to read it after this. Highly recommend. (laughs) I actually have, I just bought a paperback edition of the book that is gorgeous. Didn't Mm. need it. 
But I was just like, <laughs> I need multiple copies on my shelf, I guess. I mean, I think we like many readers who are listening will probably relate. But anytime you find like a great book that you love, and then you find a new edition that has a gorgeous cover, it's like, hmm, I know I don't need it, but it would be beautiful on my shelf. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. What's um, another one for you? Another for me. So I'm the, now I can go to my stack. I do the rest of the books I'm going to talk <laughs> about. I do have copies of them. Um, okay. So the next one I have is a book that I read a lot growing up. Um, the Secret Garden. It's a classic. Um, yes, it is. I feel like this book seeded perhaps my my great love of Gothic literature because it's just these these young children who are at the start of the story, little terrors. Uh, they just, mm-hmm. they have not, they have not come from loving backgrounds. They have not learned what it means to love and what it means to care for others. Um, they are just like little monsters running around this, this manor. Um, but they find this secret garden and it's like behind this mysterious door. And then they go back and, and of course it's, it needs work. Like it needs to be, brought back to life. And so slowly through the process of the book, they're learning how to love and care for each other and to care for this garden. And it's just like, it's both very heartwarming to sort of see this progression of the characters becoming themselves. Um, But also I spent my entire childhood looking for secret gardens. (laughs) (laughs) I was always like, oh, I wonder if there's like any secret gardens like behind that house or, you know, and I just, I feel like it really, seeded my love for like secret locations and secret places and I was always sort of like looking for that secret garden you know when I was a kid so um just a a really again sweet story with a lot of like good lessons for life but also just some real cool setting details that (laughs) have not left me even as an adult have you read it recently I haven't and actually the it was funny when I pulled this off my shelf I'm like I should read it again because I don't it's been so long. And what I remember most is just sort of like the discovery element of like finding this location and, and like finding friendship and finding love and finding companionship and all of those things. So that's what I remember. Um, but I don't know how much of that is, <laughs> you know, the bulk of the book. So I, I really should reread it again. Have you read it like recently at all or no? No, I'm okay. like, I've been trying to think of the last time I read it. I mean, I was probably in like fifth grade or yeah. something. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long time. I don't even know how old I was when I read it for the first time. This is obviously is not the copy that I would have read then. This is like a, um, I'm holding up like a Barnes and Noble Classics edition that I just sort of own. Um, Don't you wish that you still had those books that you read when you were a kid? I have like a couple, but I really wish I had like those actual ones that I read. Yes. Yeah. I can't tell you how many like old Goosebumps books um i wish i still had yeah i loved them so much (laughs) i I think i reached a point when i was in maybe like college age or so where i just started purging a lot of that stuff because i'm like oh i don't need it and now i'm like ah dang i wish i'd kept it because it just it would be so cool to like hold the same book that i held when i was a kid and Mm -hmm. there's just something about like that tactile memory but you know what are you gonna do (laughs) seriously So speaking of college, the next one I read for the first time as a freshman in college, um, it's The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Shabatsky. Um, To anyone listening, Steph will know this, but when we were preparing for this episode, (laughs) 
And I was trying to find all of these books on my shelf so that I could show them if you were watching on YouTube. I couldn't find this one. And I legitimately had a panic attack mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I couldn't find this one copy that I have read probably at least 15 times. Um, starting freshman year of college, I read it every year for the next 10 years or so. I haven't read it in a couple years and I, I should. Um, I don't write a lot in books or make notes or anything. And this is like the one book that I have because mm -hmm. there are lines in it that like every time I read it means something else, means something mm. different to me. Um, so yeah, these are, I only have two books that really deal with mental health in my yeah. list. Um, this is one of them. Yeah. Um, I just really related to Charlie and his like struggle to make friends and his awkwardness and his mental health. Um, I don't have experience with his actual story of what happens at the end, which I won't say in case you haven't read it. Um, but it is just, it's just another book that like reminds you to be alive. And um, I was lucky enough a few years ago to actually meet the author um, mm. because there's, and there's a line in the book that says um, Charlie's been writing letters to some person that we don't know the entire book. And at the end he decides to stop writing letters and he says, please believe that things will, things are good with me. And even when they're not, they will be soon enough. Mm. And um, when I met the author, uh, I had him write, they will be soon enough, which I now have tattooed on my arm. If you're watching on oh, YouTube, cool. you can see it, if you're just listening. Um, yeah. So in the author's handwriting tattooed on my arm and I can just like look down when I am struggling and just remind myself like, okay, things are not good right now, but they will be soon enough. Mm, I love that. I didn't yeah. know that the tattoo you had was in his handwriting. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, all of my tattoos that are words are in the creator's handwriting. So oh, I have man. like that one. I've got three that are song lyrics written in the songwriter or singer's handwriting. I have one that's written in my own handwriting, <laughs> one that's in my parents' handwriting. So I really like that kind of tattoo. feels yeah. more personal. I don't know. Yeah, definitely to have like that because that person wrote it, even though it's, you know, being tattooed on like it's like that person wrote it on your arm. It just yep. it means something more. Yeah, yeah exactly. so cool. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, it might be a tough act for me to follow because I don't have any tattoos <laughs> for this next book. Um, <laughs> That's OK. But I'm also going to kind of pivot to college at this point. OK. Um, and so the next book I have, it is. It, I picked this one book that it, but it's also kind of maybe a category of books. So I'll, I'll sort of talk about that. Um, this one is called Comfortable with Uncertainty by Pema Chodron, who is a Buddhist nun. Um, I, I, this is something maybe we'll get into in some other episodes of the podcast. I don't know. Um, but I definitely went through a journey, we'll say, um, growing up in a very Christian community and going to church a lot and also going through a phase not really a phase, an understanding, we'll say, that that was not the right path for me and sort of losing touch with that faith and really, but then struggling with that, um, really like the, the typical Christian agnostic pipeline <laughs> that I think a lot mm -hmm. of people find themselves on. Um, and I really, in my late teens, early 20s was when it was hardest because this was when I was starting to kind of figure out what my values are and what kind of life I wanted to have. And that seemed to be 
so much in conflict with the kind of life that a lot of people around me had and wanted, which was based in a, in many ways, in a religion that I no longer felt a part of. So Mm -hmm. this book and many others like it were books that I read during the time because I was, I think, I think just desperately searching for answers to what it means to be human, like going back to what you were talking about with Matt Haig, I probably should have, maybe I should have read that in college. That probably would have helped. Um, but you know, it just trying to kind of find those answers for myself. And for me, Buddhism was one of the directions I turned to a lot. I also read a lot of philosophy. So when I say this is a category, this is me like at, I got this at Borders. Do you remember Borders? The yes, bookstore? I yes. love Borders. I know I miss Borders so much. Um, I would go yes. there and I would just like wander sort of like the spiritual section, looking at all the Buddhist books. I would wander the philosophy section. Um, it was just like me, I think, kind of searching for answers and to figure out like who I am. Um, and so this mm-hmm. book is both a great book in general because it is a collection of Pema's teachings um, that are all based sort of in Buddhist thought. So it's a lot of advice for meditation, advice for living your life with compassion for others, um, which are all things that were really important values for me and continue to be today. This is one of those books I still pick it up and read it, like especially if I just kind of want a short, I don't know if you can see on video, but like they're really short chapters. Hmm. They're just like a few pages and they're just really brief uh, sort of topics talking about various things about, you know, what you might be struggling with. Um, and really the idea of being comfortable with uncertainty, <laughs> talking as an anxious bitch, um, uncertainty is hard. And so that this book for me, I think is like a good reminder of continuing that practice of trying to be more comfortable with all of the uncertainties of life. Um, but yeah, so this is one that I think was really, uh, is a really good example of how central this sort of book was to me. Also f- aside, um, I ended up, <laughs> I loved these books and a lot of the books that I would pick up were from one specific publisher. And I ended up moving to Boston years later, um, was in grad school and ended up seeing an internship posting for this publisher. And I was like, oh, I'm going to apply. That would be really cool. And I ended up getting it. And I worked with this publisher for like three, four years. Um, I, and I just, it's such, it's like a weird <laughs> full circle moment to have been this kind of lost person reading these books and trying to figure out like who I was. And then, you know, several years later to be standing in the publisher's office and to be working on these books. And it just, it was like this kind of mind blowing, like, whoa, what is happening moment? Um, yeah. That is just really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, also, I know that the point of this is to talk about books that made us but i'm gonna give a recommendation to you oh yeah give, um, give, give also me. by matt haig okay I, he's one of my favorite authors um he wrote a book called notes from a notes on a nervous planet or notes from a nervous planet i can't Ooh, remember exactly okay. i feel like i've heard of this title so yeah yeah it is nonfiction, and it also has very short chapters like that that are mm. observations on different things about mm. humanity and anxiety and so i would highly recommend that one to you nice. and everyone who's listening so did matt pay you to put you up to this to just push all his books matt did not pay me <laughs> um i i am doing it for free because i just love his book so much <laughs> sponsored by matt Hag. i'm just kidding <laughs> absolutely not he does no. follow me on twitter i think oh, which is kind of fun your bff i love it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Another one for me. Um, This one is just a short uh, little thing. Maybe not. Um, So 
One thing that I think is very, very important is representation in media, mm. um, books, TV, everything. Um, and I, uh, I have no hair if you're watching or if you're listening. Um, I think I've already mentioned that in like every single episode we've <laughs> recorded, but <laughs> in case you missed no it, hair, yes. in case you missed it <laughs> and, um, being a, you know, a young girl and now a woman in our society with no hair is, um, as you can probably imagine, a bit of a struggle because I don't look the way women are supposed to look. And so I have never seen myself in anything growing up. Um, I feel like these days there's like a few more representations here and there. There's, you know, Ayanna Presley, um, yeah. who is uh, yeah, who has alopecia. Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia. Mm -hmm. There's an act, a male actor. Um, I can't remember what his name is, but he was in the show Gotham and he oh, has okay. alopecia. Um, but that, that only happened recently. Mm -hmm. So, um, I read a book called Mosquito Land by David Arnold, which I loved. And I was lucky enough to, um, befriend David and another BFF, another BFF. This is just your BFF. This pile. one, though, David and I actually are friends. <laughs> Matt and I, I just have met him, but mm. like, that's it. He, Matt's um, a future friend. Yep. Yep. I wish. He's an amazing author. He sounds great. Um, yeah. <laughs> I became friends with David, and then he wrote this book called Kids of Appetite, which is about a cast of characters. One of the characters has that oh my god I can't remember the name but that's like the condition where you can't move the muscles in your face mm, and so okay. obviously this character looks very different from um how people are normally looking mm -hmm. and um near the end of the book they go to the Empire State Building this character and one other person and kids being kids um, there is a kid who asks, you know, what's wrong with your face? Hmm. And he says, um, he like bends down and he asks like what color the kid's hair is and what color his eyes are. And he says, so you know how you have brown hair and blue or brown hair and blue eyes. And some people have no hair and green eyes. And he's like, just saying like, people have their own things. They look mm -hmm. a certain way. Um, and when I read that, I have no hair and green eyes, um, if you're only listening. And, um, I just like started bawling because Aww. like, it's literally like what five words, no mm -hmm. hair and green eyes. But I, I was just like overwhelmed and I texted David and I was like, I am not arrogant enough to think that this is me, but this really meant a lot to me. And he was like, Full disclosure, it is you. And Aww. I'm going to cry right now. I'm going <laughs> to But it just really, really meant the world to me. It was the first time that I had seen myself. And it wasn't even like more than five words. It wasn't this huge thing. But it was just really, really meaningful to me. And it further fueled my um, personal like passion for representation and media, which is still to this day really important to me and something that I really champion uh, working in books. 
Yeah, that's so cool. And and now if there are any other little girls who have no hair and green eyes, they get to see themselves in that too, which is just yeah. such a gift, like something that I'm sure when you were young would have meant so I mean, it means so much to you now, but also if you had been younger and read that, like, yeah. I can just imagine like how much that would have opened up your world. So that's so yeah. cool. And it's actually an argument that I use with kids to this day. Uh, even recently, actually, I really? had some kids that were asking and mm. I, I literally used the same argument. I was like, you know how you have brown hair and blue eyes. I have no hair and green eyes. It's just what we look like. And yeah. it actually works. So that's, that's great. Good. It's given you like a language now too, for like dealing with the question. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. Usually I, I just say some people, some women don't have hair. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Which is, is true, true, but it's true. Not, yeah. Kids are kids, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure the kid, I'm sure whatever kid it was, they're going to remember that. Because I think about when I was younger, whenever somebody was just really honest with me about those things, those that's what sticks with you. You're like, oh, okay, cool. And kids are so great too, because a lot of times you tell them that they're like, oh, okay, got it. And they just like mm -hmm. go about their lives, you know, which is just so precious. So yay. I love that. <laughs> All right. What's next for you? All right. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hold up this book and it's going to seem pretentious, but let me explain. Okay. Um, this is a portrait of the artist as a young man by James Joyce. James Joyce. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, okay. Which again, I know sounds pretentious, but <laughs> back to the aforementioned struggling with Christianity. Um, if ever anyone struggled with Christianity, it's James Joyce. <laughs> yes. Facts. Yes. So I read this in college. I was taking a class, I think, on like modernists. So we read Joyce, Forster, uh, Virginia Woolf, all these different, you know, writers of that time. And I remember reading this when I first picked it up. I was just like, "Ugh, whatever. I'm probably like what is some dude who cares? You know, I, I feel like I had a little bit of an expectation going in that it was going to be kind of like, uh, and then I started reading it and I was like, oh, my God, there's there's so much of this that is like me it was it was this most bizarre experience to be like wow there's a lot of me in this book like i somehow i felt like connected to this person who lived in like the night early 1900s in ireland dealing with christianity like it just it was the same themes the same things that i was struggling with um and i think what was powerful about this book for me was that the a lot of it is like kind of autobiographical to joyce's life not a hundred percent but a large part of it. And I just started to sort of realize all the questions I have are the questions that he had. And he had already thought through a lot of it. <laughs> so I, I was able to go through these thought experiments sort of because a lot of it's very philosophical. That's why I'm like, this is going to seem pretentious. Yeah. But um, being able to like walk through his train of thought as he was struggling with these same thoughts and see them sort of in this fictionalized way. Um, I feel like it helped me make a lot of positive strides toward accepting where I was with my relationship to religion in general, but especially Christianity. Um, and it helped me kind of forge a new path forward. Um, so it's it's just one of those books that I always look fondly on because I'm like, wow, it really made this huge impact on my life. So for the religious trauma people out there, if you haven't read it, it may, it may interest you, so. It may help you out. It may, yeah. <laughs> and you can look real pretentious while you read it. <laughs> more power to you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm going to actually go back to childhood for my Ooh. next two. Um, so Peter Pan. Mm. Um, I, if you are watching on YouTube, that stack of books is all like 10 copies of Peter Pan. Oh, so um, cool. I collect it. Um, and I just, I love the story, but for me, the thing that it reminds me of to this day, obviously there are issues with Peter Pan, um, but it reminds me to just keep a childlike um, curiosity to the world mm. and also remember to not always take things too seriously because I do tend to do that. I tend to what? Take I know, you're what? shocked. Know. An anxious bitch who takes things too seriously? <laughs> what? So I just try to remember, you know, not everything needs to be serious. Mm -hmm. um, have fun with life and, um, you know, just be curious and have fun. I actually have a tattoo that are the directions to Neverland. Um, it was my first tattoo. That also reminds me of that. So um, I just love this story. That's so cool. Oh, I love that you're pulling out a classic. I had to have one. You've got a couple, so I had exactly. to have like one. We've got good a good mix. Topic. Yeah, <laughs> I tried. I tried. I'm going to go for my next one. I'm going to go opposite of a classic. This just came out a few years ago. Um, I could look at the copyright page and tell you exactly, but I'm not going to. You can all just guess. It was recent. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> but my next book is The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex okay. E. Harrow. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, Steph, if you've read this book or not. Um, own <laughs> you own it. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about why it's important to me. And maybe you'll okay. be compelled to read it. Um, I think for me, both, it's, it's just a really good book um, and, and really wonderful writing. And I just, like, I've read everything by this author. I just think she's incredible. Um, so there's that element. But I remember reading this book, going in without knowing much of anything about it. And I started reading... And one of the characters is, uh, I, I'm going to try to do this spoiler free. So I may sound a little vague. We're going to, I'm going to do my best. Um, but one of the characters is, uh, the setting is in Kentucky. Um, and I grew up in Kentucky for those who don't already know. Um, and I've always had a really complicated relationship with where I grew up in part because of the religion stuff, but also just in part because of just some of the things I think a lot of people who grow up maybe in the South may have similar feelings um, about some of the history that is, you know, embedded sort of in the culture there. And that kind of coming up against maybe some of your values or your thoughts or your feelings about the world now, sort of the idea of tradition versus sort of modernity in many ways. Um, so I've always had sort of this complicated relationship, right, with like where I grew up. Um, this book was just really wonderful because I got the sense reading this and the author, the author is also from Kentucky. I was just like, she gets it. Like she just reading it. I could feel so many of the thoughts and feelings that I've had about sort of where I grew up, which is that it's a beautiful place and that there are really wonderful people there. And there are things that feel like home, but at the same time, the character in this book wants to leave and wants to go somewhere else and wants to find adventure. And I just think about like if I had read this when I was maybe a little bit younger, I think about how much this would have meant to me. I mean, obviously it means a lot to me now too. Um, but I'm like, wow, this could have um, really saved me a lot of feeling bad about <laughs> wanting to leave maybe. Um, and again, I don't want to spoil too much about this, but it's just a really 
it's a wonderful book. Um, and it's very rare to find a fantasy book that's set at least in part in Kentucky. Like, I just don't think that yeah. there's a lot of that out there. Um, yeah. and so to like come across that, it just was this incredible kind of reading experience. So 10,000 doors of January. Nice. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So I am in childhood again. Um, taking it back. I'm, I'm going to talk about this and another series that both of us have read. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'm excited. we have complicated feelings about. Oh, the, okay. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. I, now, now I'm following. So this is Artemis Fowl by Owen Colfer, mm -hmm. um, which is an incredible middle grade fantasy series about a little genius shithead. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Artemis is a shithead. I um, love it. And he's he's a criminal like he's just like a criminal mastermind so mm -hmm. like he's 12 so he's a shithead yeah <laughs> um anyway so it has like fairies and leprechauns and all of that and it's just so fun it's really funny um it's fantasy so it's got like all of these things in there it's also like kind of crime heisty sometimes mm -hmm. um, um nice. and it's really good and i've read the entire series and for me i was reading it and I, I don't want to like combine these because they are very separate in my head, but I was reading them at the same time as Harry Potter. Mm. And I know both of us have very complicated feelings about Harry Potter and yep. about JK, who is mm -hmm. a turf. Um, and for me, like, I don't um, engage with Harry Potter at all anymore in any mm -hmm. way. And so I feel like these books have become even more important to me over the last few years um, for a few reasons. One, because like I have loved them since I was like 11 years old mm -hmm. and I can trust that the author is not a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> that always helps. It helps that the enjoyment helps. factor. <laughs> and then I was actually like, this is going to be a little bit of a humble brag, I guess. Um, <laughs> Do it. I'm ready for it. Hit me with it. <laughs> Um, I was very, very lucky to work with Owen and his co-author and illustrator mm -hmm. on a graphic novel at my last job called Illegal, and mm -hmm. even luckier still to actually tour with Owen, Andrew, and Gio, um, and I got to, like, drive them around <laughs> and, like, oh, nice. chauffeur them around the Midwest, That's so but cool. as you can imagine, being in a car with them for hours at a time and helping them at school events and at events like we became friends and yeah. so like to be able to kind of tell my 11 year old self like bitch you are friends with Owen <laughs> is mind-boggling yes. um, and he is just as smart and funny as his books and he's gonna he's gonna make fun of me for this entire section <laughs> of like fangirling over him because it's ridiculous and um we we make fun of each other all the time mm -hmm. but it is just such a cool like full circle moment and to to have this series and this author like still be a major part of my life is very cool yeah and we can add this to your bff list i feel like the <laughs> we need to have that running through the whole episode it's just like here's steph's uh author bffs boop, 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 boop. matt haig david arnold owen colfer no, unfortunately just... not jm barry <laughs> soon, soon. <laughs> hopefully not too soon <laughs> 
I'm not quite ready to die. <laughs> fair, fair. I mean, I was thinking more of like a seance or something, but you know, you're right. Oh, you're okay. Right. Well, let's do that. That'll be yeah. our third spooky episode. We'll yeah, we'll do we'll do that maybe in October. In we'll, we'll just hold a seance on air. <laughs> Oh man, oh, man. yeah. Okay, it's my turn. Um, so my next book, um, this is one probably a lot of people have read, and if you haven't read, you've probably heard of it. Um, it's by Patrick Rothfuss. It's The Name of the Wind. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, a very uh, iconic fantasy novel. The reason why it's what did you say you haven't read it? <gasps> Stop. Do I need to? Oh, I mean, I love it. I mean, that doesn't okay. mean that you have right. to read it just because I love it, but you let me talk about what it. I like, though. You think I'll like it? I think you might. Yeah. All right. All right. Let me talk about it a little bit and then and then you can yeah. tell me um, if you, if that sounds like your jam. Again, I'm going to try to do this without spoilers. Um, I'll do my best. So yeah. the reason why this is on my list is I read this book um, during a during a really hard time in my life, I was working at a job that was making me miserable. I was super burnt out. Um, I was really just I was struggling. I was trying to leave the job. Um, was not getting a lot of uh, we'll say <laughs> interview uh, emails. You know, emails to interview with people. Like I was, and I just felt stuck. I was like, I am stuck in this shitty situation, and I want out. And I was like, ready to blow up my life. Whatever I needed to do to get out of it, right? So I ended up reading this book during that time. And for those who've read this book, you'll know what I mean when I say that every time the main character, you know, he's sort of telling his story throughout the course of this book. And okay. it's a series. There, the two two books are out. There's a third forthcoming uh, whenever the author is ready to release that. Um, but for now, the first two are out and they're both wonderful. Is it going to like piss me off that that one's not out yet? I mean, I'm okay with it because I feel like it. it's not like it ends... If I remember correctly, it doesn't end like a crazy cliffhanger where you're okay. gonna feel like okay. betrayed. Um, I, it because it's just sort of like you're hearing this. It, it almost makes sense because throughout the whole uh, the whole conceit of this is that the uh, the per- the main character is telling you his story um, over a period of time, and so like you know you get like tidbits of like his life early on, and then you come back to like present moment, and he's like you know taking care of stuff and taking care of business, and you sort of see modern day what he's up to, and then you go back into the story. So it feels very uh, rhythmic in that way, where you're kind of going back and forth. So when you kind of hit the end of the second book. You're, you're ready to sort of be back with the main character and you're just you're kind of waiting for him to start the story again. So for me, it feels OK. OK, others may have different opinions. This is a, a fandom community where people are very eager for the next book, but the author has been very forthcoming with like, it'll be out when it's out, bro. And so I feel like we have to respect that. You know, he will get to it when he gets to it. Um, so anyway. <laughs> Let me get back to what I was going to yeah, say sorry. about this. No, it's okay. Um, I just tend to ramble when I when there's books I like, and I just start not making sense. So, um, again, the reason I loved this is because I was going through this really tough time in my life, and the main character, every time something good or even kind of neutrally positive happens in his life, another shitty thing happens to just completely upend it, which maybe sounds like the opposite of what I needed at this time, but it actually helped me because I was reading about this character who was going through worse shit than I was. And I was already, I was feeling really crappy about where I was, but I was like, well, at least it's not that bad. So it was a little bit of that, but it also was every single time something bad happened, the character comes back and he keeps trying and he keeps going after the things that are important to him. 
and no matter how many times he gets knocked down, he gets back up. And it was just this really helpful thing to read. And also it's a honking book. So, I mean, I read it over a significant period of time. It's like over 500 pages. Um, and then there's the second book, which is also a huge honking doorstop of a book. So I spent a lot of time with it and being able to sort of feel that a bad thing happened, but we're coming out of it and things are changing. Like to, to have that kind of repeatedly as a mantra in my brain really helped me. Um, it also helped me as a writer because I think during the period of time when I was reading this, I was also working on a novel that was not really working out well. Uh, and part of it was because there just wasn't enough conflict. There wasn't enough bad stuff happening to the characters. And I was like, oh, I need to probably take a little bit of a leaflet out of this book and have some shitty stuff happen to my characters so that I have more, they have more agency and they can, you know, grow as people. Um, so it's sort of like is a double uh, kind of importance to me, both in terms of just getting to that period of my life, but also as a writer, um, taking a lot of kind of insight from how he chose to write these characters. So that's my rambling answer. Um, but Name of the Wind is a really wonderful fantasy book just in general too. Um, so even if you don't have, if you're not going through a hard time in your life, you could still read it and still really enjoy it. I need to add it to my list for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my next one is uh, The Falls by Ian Rankin. Mm. So this is Scottish crime fiction. Um, when I was an undergrad, I was part of the residential honors program where we were and humble brag. You are just listen. <laughs> well, this is even more of a humble brag. <laughs> if you're just listening, I'm about to use air quotes, but part of the residential honors program after our sophomore year, we were required to study abroad because, Ooh. you know, it's like such a hard thing to say <laughs> yes to. Um, and we studied abroad in Edinburgh, Scotland, and we went with um, our a history professor and a, a literature professor. And the literature professor obviously taught a class on Scottish literature. Shocking, I know. <laughs> and um, he was great because we had like old, old Scottish literature and much more modern Scottish mm. literature, such as The Falls. And I have read all of Ian Rankin's books now. If you are watching, that entire top shelf and some of these books are all Ian Rankin's books. Whoa. I own literally every single one of them, which is like 30 at this point, I think. Wow. Um, he is the author that I own the most books from. Um, and I read this before we went to Scotland. And the all of his books, but especially The Falls, is very focused on Edinburgh and it makes Edinburgh a character in its own right in mm -hmm. the books as you know part of the story part of the action it makes things happen um and I just completely fell in love with Edinburgh and then I went and fell in love even more <laughs> and um I was lucky enough after my uh junior year to go back to Edinburgh as a mentor for the students who are then studying abroad and I was writing my honors thesis for undergrad and decided to write it on Ian Rankin and his books and it was the city of Edinburgh, the city of Edinburgh as a character in Ian hmm. Rankin's books so <laughs> add another one to my BFF list I guess yeah there you go to meet and interview Ian of course you um, did as, <laughs> as part of it expect and no less <laughs> <laughs> 
and I he's and he's amazing and super funny and very nice and I just did a deep dive into his books about Edinburgh and then that led into when I was pursuing a master's degree I looked back at Scotland because of I mean obviously it was like a lot of things tying in together but his books really did inspire my love of Scotland so um this is like the 12th book in the series I think uh and I don't I don't even know something like that mm-hmm. um highly recommend if you like crime fiction and if you like Scotland um but yeah so this is just like an important important part of my like journey um after college yeah that's really cool. I knew you uh, you went to Edinburgh for like grad school and all of that. I didn't realize you had also spent time over there undergrad, you know, mm-hmm. reading reading all of Ian Rankin's, you know, catalog. <laughs> I I love them. They're yeah. so good. <laughs> oh man. And it's so like for that book, is it a series where like a lot of mystery or crime where you can just kind of pick up whichever one? Yeah, you can pick Perfect. up anywhere throughout the series. If if I convince people to read Ian, I always recommend starting with The Falls just because okay. that's where I started. And mm-hmm. it's just a really good book. Um, it's all focused on one uh, detective inspector named John Rebus, who is a cranky old Scottish man who drinks and smokes too much. Um, <laughs> you know, true like yeah. crime fiction hero. Yeah. Um, But it's just really fun to like read all about Scotland. Um, His earlier books, you know, it it takes a while to get to know John uh, Rebus and the other characters. And I personally like Siobhan is a a character in the series that I really love. So she's in this one. So Mm -hmm. I always just recommend starting with the falls. Nice. Okay. I'm putting that in my back pocket for for later when I'm at the bookstore. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, my next book, um, I'm, this one's really important to me as a writer. Um, Mm -hmm. it's also just, well, I'll tell you the title and then you'll know why. Um, so is, this is the fifth season by N.K. Jemisin, which is part, the first book in her series, Broken Earth. I mean, this series is a masterpiece and I do not use that term lightly. This is just like the best goddamn series in the world. I'll say it like, it's just so good. Um, And I don't, again, don't want to ruin things. Don't want to spoil things, but it tackles so many issues that are forefront right now in our world, Um, tackling issues of like climate change, issues of race, um, legacy of slavery. Um, It also really dives deep into like character level issues, things like mother versus daughter, what do you do when you live in a broken world? Do you try to repair it or do you let it burn? There, it's just, there are so many of these like philosophical questions in this book. And also just, it's one, it's just a wonderful story. Like the magic system in it is so cool. Um, the characters, they're all going through a lot of shit, but you just, you, you feel for them. At least I did. I just, even when the characters were at odds with each other, I was still like, I'm on your side and I'm on your side, and I'm on your side, you're all right, like all of you are correct in how you are approaching this situation, because it's just the way that she's just written such amazing characters, like they are just such full bodied people. Um, Mm -hmm. And just as a writer reading this, I was like, 
dang, like the bar is high. The bar is really high. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember reading um, the series all the way through. When you first start the first book, there is, you don't know who's telling the story. You just, there's a, a some perspective of somebody who is sort of telling the story. Mm-hmm. And it's in second person, which for a lot of people, they don't like second person because they're like, I don't, it just feels kind of alien or strange. Like, why isn't it in first person? It can be hard to read. Yeah. And so, and this is one of those books where I was like, I'm going to stick with it because I can tell there's some, there's something happening here. I don't know what it is yet, but I know this second person's in here for a reason. And it's for a very good reason. You read the whole series. I remember reading the whole thing and then being like, I have to go back and read the first chapter of the first book again. And I did, and it blew me away. And I'm like, how did she do that? She must have just written, and I've looked at for like interviews with her to figure out, did she write the whole series before, you know, publishing them? Because I'm like, how else would you be able to do what she did? (laughs) You would have to be so good at planning it. And maybe my, maybe it's just because I'm not good at outlining. I don't know. She had really detailed outlines. Yeah, that could be what it is. But just the fact that she was able to pull that off, chef's kiss it's just (laughs) so good so um i also remember (laughs) not too long ago someone on the internet said and i quote (laughs) that they read this book and it was using air quotes everybody it didn't live up to the hype and i was like you're wrong wrong. (laughs) you're objectively wrong i'm normally the kind of person who's like you know not every book is for everybody everybody has a different experience with reading it's okay that we have different opinions no that person was wrong. This is the greatest <laughs> series in the world. I stand by it. So, uh, and I close my case and pass it on to you, Steph. This is now uh, me just defending uh, the author against random people online. That's how passionate I am. I mean, fair enough. Um, so we have two more each, or I have two more. Do you have two more? I have one more. One more. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that works. Okay. Um, okay so this one. Um, is a work of art it is both a very good book but also literally a work of art um it's called s it's by jj abrams and doug dorst um it comes if you are only listening i apologize because you will kind of miss some of this but please go google this book and look it up um it comes in a case when you pull it out It is a completely different book called The Ship of Theseus by V.M. Straka. It is meant to look like an old library book. It even has like the library sticker on it. Um, It has the like book for loan stamp on the inside. And the setup here is this is a book written by a fictional author in our world, but a real author in the world of this novel um and it is a library book that two grad students are like using for research purposes and they end up writing back and forth in the margins to each other Mm. as they are unraveling the mystery of the ship of theseus and vm straka who is an enigma and is like a complete mystery Mm. um so the cool thing about this book and i really like books that have um kind of different storytelling methods so like if you're reading a book that has emails text messages newspaper articles etc i love that this book takes it to a whole nother level because it literally has those things that you can pull out 
So oh, it's got cool. letters in here that you can pull out. It's got postcards Ooh. from Brazil that like have stamps oh, and man. notes that's... on them. Look at that detail. Like that's crazy. Yeah. It's got like this little like compass thing. Wow. Um, it, where's the, there's one somewhere in here where there's literally a napkin. It is <laughs> a napkin. Let me see if I can find it. Um, oh, here it is. Literally like a floppy freaking wow. napkin that has been written on. And then all throughout the book, there is, there are these margin notes where they are talking back and forth to each other. Hmm. So you could read this book like a, over and over and notice something new every time. There's like a card with a newspaper article clipping oh, in it that looks old. It is, it's insane. And this book came out in like 2013, which is right when I was graduating with my master's in publishing. So I knew I already wanted to work in publishing. And then I read this and I was just like, this is literally why I want to work in publishing because books are so fucking cool yeah. and they can be these incredible works of art. And I haven't unfortunately been able to work on a book like this mostly because <laughs> most publishers aren't insane enough to do books like this because yeah. can I can you imagine even imagine how much this shit costs to make Seriously. to hand <laughs> like put things in certain pages and to have all of that stuff separately printed that costs money mm. yeah you yeah. have to like print the book which it's a hardcover so it's already going to be expensive mm -hmm. but then yeah to print all these separate things and to insert it I mean, that costs like a lot of money. A lot. Um, I'm trying, let's see, does the box say? The box doesn't say how much I paid for this, but I think it was like a good, oh wait, here it is. It was $35 in 2013. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. these days, uh, it's yeah. probably at least $50. Yeah. Um, it is very worth it. Uh, I was, I was telling you about this book a couple months ago and- I said that it was out of print. They weren't selling it anymore, but I recently saw it at Barnes and Noble because oh. I think, I think TikTok found it and nice. TikTok is like bringing this shit back, which they're doing with so many backlist books. Yeah. So anyway, it is a complete work of art. Highly recommend. It's just like, it's a fascinating story, but it is just a book that I love having on my shelf. I literally like display it on my shelf halfway into the sleeve so that you can <laughs> see like both things yeah just it's so good it's so, That's good. so cool yeah oh wow all right and here's your last one my <laughs> last one drum roll <laughs> <laughs> so uh this book um i'm gonna tell you, i'll tell you the title first and then i'll talk about it um it's a psalm for the wild built by yes. becky chambers i know you've yes. read this and also love it mm -hmm. i might have did I, did I convince you to read this? You did. You did. Yeah. Yeah. You told me it was a comfort read. It, it is, is a comfort read. Um, this is, this was a pandemic read for me. Um, I was going through a period and other people maybe can relate to this. Uh, I do read a lot. I also write a lot. And I was going through a period of time where reading was really hard. Um, I just, because of all the stuff that was going on in the world, I was just feeling, I don't know, like I was having a hard time focusing on any reading. Um, if the book had too many bad things happening. It just made me feel kind of worse. Like I was just really like struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up finding this book and I read it. It's technically a novella. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a thin it's a little, little book. It's a little baby book. Um, but this book is just like a warm hug. 
it's mm-hmm. just this most sweet, comforting story. It's a it's a world where this is sci-fi um, for those who are you know interested. Um, but it, and it feels like it's a world where people fucked up, but they've learned their lesson. You know, so there's just like a lot of hopefulness of like humans are okay, actually. And there's a lot of good in humanity. And that also is really cute because it follows the tale of a human and a robot. Um, And there's a lot of questions about like, what does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be a person? What is personhood? Um, It also is really sweet because the main character is non-binary and is part of this religious order. And instead of referring to them as like sister or brother, they refer to them as sibling, which I just think is like so cute. Um, I read that I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Um, it's just such a wonderful book. So if anybody needs a comfort read, honestly, I've heard that Becky, I haven't read the rest of Becky Chambers books yet. I know she has like a whole catalog. I will get to it because I've heard that all of her books are kind of like that. They all are really comforting um, sci-fi worlds where, you know, yeah, bad things have happened, but people are pretty okay. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I need more of that in my life. <laughs> Yeah, I I read that after you recommended it, and then I read A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, which is oh yeah, in her like most popular series. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, it is it is similar. I think not quite the same level. Like there is more Mm -hmm. bad things, sure. Um, but it's like a whole cast of characters, and it's really fun. Um, yeah, she she writes good books, man. Yeah, she does. If you're out there, and Becky. The sequel to that, the sequel to A Song for the Wild Built is out now. So. It is. It's on my shelf. I, I have it. I've earmarked it. It's just, it's like a, I know Same. that I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm waiting for when I need it. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. So it's just on my shelf for when I'm in that period of time where I'm like, I really just need to be comforted. That's yep. when I'm going to read it because it's, it's just that special. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So my last book, Woo! um, is called Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall. This is a queer rom-com about two messy bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite kind of story. It is literally my favorite kind of story. They Because that's how people are. Nobody mm-hmm. is perfect. Yes. Um, so I was lucky enough to work on this book at my previous job. Um, and it changed my career. And like if alexis is listening he's gonna be like but (laughs) but it did because so i both of us worked in romance for a Mm -hmm. long time um and the the landscape of romance publishing has vastly changed over the last five or six years it used to be very much focused on mass market romance which mass market romance is like if you think about like books that you would buy at Walmart in like the small or the grocery store, like the small little size that's mass market. Um, And it has shifted to trade paperback, which if you are watching, you can see if you're listening, it's like that larger paperback size that you would kind of associate with most fiction these days. Mm -hmm. And the way that you publicize and market those books is completely different as well. And So when we started acquiring these books um, at my last publisher, I had to completely change how I did my job. And I had to make new contacts in media and social media and 
the way that I pitched had to change and everything. And so um, Boyfriend Material was my biggest book that year um, because Alexis is very well known and the content is incredible. And so it was a really big campaign that I got to put together and it just changed everything and um, was very successful. The sequel, Husband Material, uh, has come out recently. Yay. Highly recommend you check that out. And there's going to be Father Material in a couple years, which Ooh. will be the third book. Um, and I love it because of that uh, impact on my career, but then also just because I really love this book. It's really, really funny. The main character, Luke, um, has some mental health struggles and he is a messy ass bitch and um <laughs> he would he would say that he was oh I'm sure bitch. yeah yeah um and so I just I really love it and uh, I love that it has been such a big part of my career that's so cool oh I love that and you know I love all your humble brags today they've been they've been great I feel they're feel like a dick <laughs> no 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 I'm just like, like I know this author and this author. Yeah, and hair author. flip. Uh. Yeah, hair flip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I've just been really lucky that I've been able to meet a lot of my favorite authors, um, or at least mm -hmm. be able to talk to them online. Um, yeah. So I guess it is a little bit of a humble <laughs> A little bit, but it's okay. Uh, I mean, I think that's part of, that's one of the perks of working in publishing is that you get to meet all of these authors in person um, mm -hmm. and you get to like, form new relationships with them which is just really cool um i didn't mention i can humble brag now too i, I didn't mention this earlier but the pema children book um i did get a chance to meet her she came nice. to the publisher's office and she's just like i don't know just the tiny she's tiny i don't know <laughs> she's just like a tiny person i don't know and i just <laughs> saw her and i was like oh my god she's amazing i don't know it's like something about meeting your heroes you're like oh my god yeah, there. it is a bizarre but wonderful experience. Yes. Yeah. And she was so sweet and so nice. And, you know, I feel like she was probably just like patting me on the head, like, okay. Because I was just like, oh my God, you're so good. I love your books. And she's like, okay, nice to meet you. Bye. <laughs> Walk away. Yeah. Like... <laughs> so we just gave, I think, about 16 book recommendations we did um all of which we obviously highly recommend mm -hmm. but we would also love to know what books raised you what books made you into who you are what books mm -hmm. made you think or cry or uh change your outlook on life so let us know down in the comments if you are watching on youtube mm -hmm. if you are listening on spotify or apple podcasts you know head over to our instagram and let us know and mm -hmm. um Thanks so much for listening to us basically babble at you for <laughs> however long this has been. Um, yeah. We love talking about books. So mm -hmm. don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Some Worries Pod and like and subscribe to the podcast, please. Uh, we have been Steph. And Steph. And now that we've talked your ears off about books, uh, we need to go read some more. Like we have more on our shelves that we yeah. need to get to. I have way too many I haven't read. Yeah. So uh, we got to go read those. Okay. Okay. Bye. All right, bye. <laughs>